we are all living life with the same intensity. That was so powerful and profound for me to hear because up until that moment, I felt very isolated in my stress struggle. I thought I was the only one going through it. No one was talking about it. And I think that really helped to validate and normalize the experience of stress. And it's that central tenet of we are all experiencing life at the same intensity. Stress is something that's so isolating and we feel so alone and yet it is happening to each one of us and yet we don't talk about it. Hi, Aditi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I cannot tell you what an honor it is. I have been following your work for years. Like I just told you, I mean, so many of your posts really just resonate so deeply with me and really move me. I've been sharing your work for a long, long time. I know you're probably like one of the most popular accounts on Instagram. And yeah, I mean... At least, I would say at least once a week, I'm sharing something that you have written and, and you know, because I tag you and everything, well, <laughs> me yes, and the other millions of but, people who share your work. <laughs> no, for everyone uh, listening to this conversation, let me just tell you how shocking this is because, and how flattered I feel because we are sitting here with Dr. D.T. Nerukar, who is a Harvard physician and a medical correspondent. She has her own podcast called Time Out that she co-hosts about reclaiming your time. She specializes in the science of stress and resilience and mental health and burnout. And she is telling me that my words are the ones that are impacting her. So... Really just, I'm feeling uh, on top of the world right now. But Aditi, thank you so much for joining us. It is my absolute pleasure to be here. I am thrilled to talk to you today. This is going to be a great conversation. And I know I just gave a little recap of who you are, what you do. Is there anything I missed, though? No, it's a great intro. (laughs) When you're at a party and someone asks you what you do, how do you introduce yourself? I say that I'm a doctor and health communicator, and my work focuses on the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout in the new normal. I love that. It's a very interesting and very apropos niche that you have, especially in today's world. How did you get there? You know, it's funny because people often see the end product and they don't realize that it's like 25 years in the making, right? So. When I set out to become a doctor, I'm an MD, I did what everyone else did. You know, you go to medical school, do your residency, and then during residency, I had a really difficult time. There was a particular month, I was the senior resident in the cardiac care unit, and I was taking care of everyone else's hearts, all of these patients, and I wasn't really paying attention to my own. So I had a lot of stress and burnout, and when I went to doctors to try to help me figure out how to overcome this, what I was told is, oh, just relax more, you'll be fine. That's what medical training is about. It's about, you know, pressure creates diamonds. But it didn't sit well with me. And I did whatever I could to relax. So I watched movies, I hung out with friends, went out to dinner, spent time with family, went shopping, and nothing was really working to get me out of that sense of 
deep stress and burnout. And that's when I started doing my research. I put on my scientist hat and started doing the research to learn about what actually, what strategies can actually help the brain and body in the biology of stress and burnout. Found my way to a fellowship in Boston at Harvard to study these things and the rest is history. So I was a patient before I was a patient before I was a doctor and I kind of became the doctor that I would have wanted back when I was really struggling, you know? I think that is beautiful and honestly I um I relate to that on a lot of levels, but I do think that the best doctors are the ones that know what it's like to be a patient and I stand by that as um as a patient who's just experienced a lot of doctors I feel like it's hard sometimes because unless you've really been in the ring yourself you don't know how to best care for your patients so I think that gives you a unique perspective in everything that you do and I think this is beautiful work you're doing on so many levels um I I'm just gonna get into it and ask you what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten I love this question that you asked your guests The best piece of advice that I have ever been given came from another fellow physician in Philadelphia where I was doing my training. I was living as a medical resident, working 80 hours a week and on call in the hospital every third night, sleeping in the call room. I know there's been many shows about doctors and the glamorous life that doctors lead or this like beautiful, you know, these like torrid love affairs that are happening in the hospital. Are you telling us it's not like Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, there's no there's no Dr. McDreamy. There's no Dr. McDreamy oh, to burst tragic, that bubble. <laughs> a tragic reality. Uh, it's like, you know, Hollywood makes <laughs> it into this magical, mystical thing. Lots of glamour and intrigue. But mm-hmm. the reality is that it's really hard work, lots of drudgery, long, long hours, you know, 80 hours a week. You're facing things that regular people don't exactly face, right? Like death and dying on a daily basis, things that are very traumatic to experience as a provider and of course as the patient. And you have no time to process any of it because it's just, you know, you manage that critically ill patient and then you're on to the next and on to the next without any real recognition or awareness of what's happened. Mm -hmm. So that was what kind of sparked my own stress struggle. And it was at the height of one of our most intense rotations at the cardiac care unit in our hospital. And I was the senior resident. And I started having palpitations when I was, you know, in the morning seeing patients. And I didn't know what that was. So I sat down immediately, drank some orange juice. I'd been on call the night before. Initially, I just laughed it off like, oh, you know what? It's just some palpitations. I was I'm just really tired. It never happened to me again at work. But during the course of the next several weeks, when I would go to bed, I'd be fine all day at work, I'd go to bed, and I would experience those palpitations, and then I would wake up. So I had several weeks of really difficult times, went to go see several doctors, you know, got got a echocardiogram and an EKG and the um, all the tests for the heart, everything was fine, got my thyroid tested and anemia workup and all the blood work, everything was fine. And that's when the doctor said, hey, It's probably just stress. Try relaxing. And then I did all of those things that we talked about, you know, watch movies, go to a spa, you know, hang out with friends and family, go out to dinner and nothing really worked. And so finally, I found my way to this class called Mindfulness for Healthcare Providers. And it was all doctors in the room. And 
the best piece of advice I got was on the first day of class, we were sharing why we were there. What was the stress in our lives that brought us to that room together? And we all shared in these beautiful, poignant stories of all of these doctors who are facing a lot of the things that I was facing. And the instructor, also a physician himself, looked around the room and he said, I know you've heard all of these stories. Now, do you believe me when I tell you that we are all living life with the same intensity? That was so powerful and profound for me to hear because up until that moment, I felt very isolated in my stress struggle. I thought I was the only one going through it. No one was talking about it. And I think that really helped to validate and normalize the experience of stress. Now, 25 years later, that resonates because I've seen, you know, hundreds if not thousands of patients with stress helped them manage their stress. And I'm a speaker and I've talked to tens of thousands of people now in large audiences. And it's that central tenant of we are all experiencing life at the same intensity. Stress is something that's so isolating and we feel so alone, and yet it is happening to each one of us, and yet we don't talk about it. Yeah. That is a beautiful story, and um, I, yeah, I, I just think that remark is so profound on many levels with stress and with really just the human experience, and I think that's why I've always loved quotes. I think they have an ability to remind us that at the end of the day, we're all going through the same things, just kind of in different packages. And um, so I love that notion of the fact that we're all living and experiencing this human experience with the same level of intensity, and especially something like stress, which is unavoidable. And um, I'm wondering then throughout your life when you've thought back are there specific instances where you've really thought back to that as you continue to deal with that stress and, you know, become more of a professional and an expert in that specific field? I have, you know, I think about that almost every day because when I have taken care of patients and they've been struggling, it's so easy to feel the other when you're going through a difficult time or when you're seeing someone going through the difficult time, othering people, right? But instead, when you can build a bridge, make a connection, find commonality, there's a lot of healing and a therapeutic experience that happens. So I think about that quote all the time when I've interacted with patients when they're going through a difficult time. I think, you know, yeah, we're all living life with this level of intensity. I've thought about it when I've talk to my friends and family members who've been struggling. You know, that was a extremely significant time of my life, my stress struggle. And thankfully, because of the various resources, time and energy I've invested into my physical and mental health, given that I had the tools, right, I could read every scientific study, I could start employing a lot of those strategies to my life, I was able to really never have that intense stress struggle again. But of course, I've struggled with stress as we all have throughout our life. And whenever I'm going through a difficult time, when I'm, you know, grappling with certain things, whether at work or in my personal life, I always think, you know, don't isolate yourself, reach out to your friends and family, let people know that you're not doing well, or that you need a little support, you know, and at those times when it's not, you know, that significant, spending time with family and friends does wonders. Yeah, you know, a Netflix binge here and there could help yeah. uh, exercise, you know, but more realistically, things like 
good sound sleep, exercise, eating well, staying hydrated, having that sense of community and support. But I think about that quote so, so often, and it is something that I really use as a tenant for my life and how I live my life and how I engage with people, you know, leading through authenticity and vulnerability and really making sure that we feel a sense of connection because it really does help to normalize and validate this universal experience, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on... um on a more personal note, actually, I, for the past year and a half, have dealt with this chronic pain. They haven't really been able to figure out what it was. And a lot of the conclusion has been, well, it's nerve-related, and your body is just like, you're, I think, sympathetic is what the f- flight or flight, right? Flight or fight. Um, and uh, it's like your sympathetic nervous system just can't calm down. And so I feel like a lot of the response is like well do like manage your stress and I have tried so many things but I don't like at the end of the day really understand what that means so what would your best advice be for people that it's like everyone says don't be stressed manage your stress what does that mean and what is your best advice for someone dealing with that stress That's a great question, and I relate so deeply to what you said, because I remember being a patient and being told, hey, it's probably just stress, you know? Just be less stressed. Relax. Yeah. And they love saying that to women, too, don't they? Like, like, if a guy has the pain, everything's fine, but when a girl has it, it's like, you're just overwhelmed. It's like, yeah, because we're carrying the world on our shoulders. That's why we're (laughs) overwhelmed. (laughs) That's right. So, you know, when, and I heard that, too, which is why I don't say that um, <laughs> when I've engaged with patients. I don't, I don't see patients anymore. But when I did, I teach now, um, you know, I, just saying, hey, yeah, just stress less. Just yeah. what relax does it mean? more. <laughs> and to be honest, if, you, if it was that easy and you could do it, would you even be sitting in my office right now? Right? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there are some real, and so that was my, that's my life's work, is that I've been really focused over the past several decades to unpack that and to give people, whether it's my patients or during talks or when I'm doing media work, to really give people the actionable, concrete tools and strategies to help do just that. Relax Mm -hmm. more, stress less. What does that mean? And so you can actually work with your biology, the biology of stress, like you said, your fight or flight response, and help override a lot of those emotions and there's ways to do that and so these aren't things that are the latest hack in fact i don't really believe in that word hack because i feel like our brains and our bodies are way too smart for hacks so they might work Mm -hmm. for a short time but over the long time you really do need to think about sustainable practical solutions and so one strategy is to really think about you know protecting your sleep We think of sleep as a nice to have, but not a necessity, a luxury. But in fact, sleep is often the first sign of something happening with your mental health because you're having fragmented sleep, disrupted sleep, a lack of sleep quality or quantity. And so really aiming to protect your sleep like the vital resource it is. And I can talk about, you know, specific strategies that to do that. We don't talk about that. We talk about sleep like, oh, I got four hours of sleep. It's like a badge of honor. But really reframing that and think about sleep as a form of therapy, 
you know, a therapeutic intervention. Um, and then some gentle exercise every day, moving our bodies, getting out of our heads and into our bodies. I often have prescribed a 20 minute walk, which is the same as an Instagram scroll, right? Like a healthy Instagram scroll where you're just spending <laughs> 20 minutes and kind of scrolling through time equivalent. And it really helps you in many ways to uh, release a lot of that stress. And there's other strategies and other ways to move your body. For you, you've had chronic pain. And so vigorous exercise likely doesn't help. But something like for you, you know, a restorative yoga practice could be helpful, or some sort of gentle stretching could be helpful. Lots of yeah. research to back that up for patients with chronic pain or fibromyalgia or other things. Um, and then so many other strategies, you know, concrete things that we could do. Another thing is that what are we taking in? What kind of simulation are we taking in for our stress? Really focusing, I hate to say it, on social media, right? Like yeah. setting some boundaries because we often doom scroll when we're stressed. It's that primal urge to scroll. It's the part of our brain the fight or flight response, it lives in our the part of our brain called the amygdala, which is deep in our brain. It's caveman or cave woman mode. It's lizard brain is what we call it because it's the one part of the brain has, that has not evolved since cave person times. And so when we're scanning for danger, we feel unsafe. We're looking out like we did, you know, thousands of years ago. Now what do we do? We scroll through doom scrolling. We scroll through social media. We know it's bad for us. We can't stop it. So creating some sort of boundaries around that, you know, putting your phone far away from you. And there's many techniques that you can use, keeping it off your nightstand, setting some time limits. That can also be helpful. Um, there's so, so many strategies. I'm writing a book. It should be out in early 2024. It's called The Five Resets. And it talks about how to reset your biology of stress in your brain and your body. I talk about a lot of these and it's all very science-based. I think those are all incredible, incredible techniques. I will be trying every single one of them. I also am wondering if there is a worst piece of advice you've ever heard on stress and burnout. What do you just really not like when people say? I think we said it. Just, it's all in your head. Just relax. You'll be fine. Or, eh, mind over matter. Because, yes, stress and you know, does live in our minds and it is in our heads. But when we frame it like that, that is a warped view of resilience, what I call toxic resilience. You know, resilience in 2020 was a really positive word at the start of the pandemic. We used to use that word like it meant something positive. But over time, especially over the last few years, it has just changed its meaning. And it's this idea of toxic resilience, which is not the true definition of resilience, by the way. Toxic resilience is this idea of like, no matter what, just keep going. And if you can't keep going, you're probably not that resilient. And that is a great that's like the great resilience myth that I'm always trying to debunk that resilient people can't get burned out. They can and they do. Seven out of 10 people are struggling with their mental health right now in the post-pandemic era. And so it really just gets under my skin and makes my blood boil when people say, ah, mind over matter or just toughen up. You'll get through it. Or, you know, those any version of that, like you're, you're built tougher than this or all of those things that just is because it's false you know um that's not our brains and our bodies weren't designed 
to sustain so much stress, trauma over and over again, the onslaughts over the past several years, like there's no break and our bodies and our brains need some respite and a break so that we can function to the optimal ability. And all of these ways that we have kind of imbued this idea of toxic resilience into our pop culture, we really need to change the narrative. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think what's beautiful is that there are people like you and a lot of people out there now, especially since the pandemic, who are realizing that if we don't start having more grace with ourselves, there's no way we're making it. Like, I know people through every generation have incurred a lot of trials, but we live in just a very particular environment right now that I think just makes us susceptible to going crazy with stress and anxiety and if we don't start forgiving ourselves a little bit more it's going to be a scary place so I I think you're making it better for people oh and so are you I love your work and I couldn't agree more when we come at these things through a lens of self-compassion and give ourselves so much leeway and grace. You know, we are all just mere mortals in the end, right? Like no one's a robot. We're not bionic, including you and me. Yeah. And giving ourselves that sense of self-compassion and understanding that if you are struggling right now, you are not the exception. You are the rule. The way our brains are designed is that during periods of acute stress, like the past few years that we've gone through, we shore up our internal reserves and we keep it together at all costs. And then once that stress is over and we feel psychologically safe and we're out of danger because our body and our brains know when we feel safe, that's when our true emotions can emerge. And it's often a deluge. And so I like to say that our brains are built like dams. And we keep it together. And that's why many people over the past several years may not have struggled with their mental health. And they thought they were going to fall apart during the pandemic. They did not. Unfortunately, of course, some people did. But now they're confused because they're thinking, oh, the messaging is that everything is fine. We should be back to normal. And why do I feel as bad as I do? Well, that's yeah. why. Because you're having a normal biological response. It's called a delayed stress response. And that is why, you know, back to that initial story I told you, it's why I didn't have any palpitations or my stress reaction during my workday. It was always at night, right at the end of the day, right as my body and my brain were relaxed as I was going to bed, I got those palpitations because it was that moment that I was the most relaxed. And that can often happen to people. And so if this is happening to you in whatever manifestation it is, you know, if you're having worsening headaches or body aches or anxiety, stress, insomnia, you name it, there's a million flavors of stress and burnout. If you're feeling any of those things and it's worse now than it was before, what you're going through is perfectly normal. Talk to your doctor, see if there's ways that you can get better, but, um, you know, don't other yourself or someone else and just know that you will make it through, you will get stronger, and there is a lot of hope and promise on the other side. I love that. I love that. I want to finish it off by just asking you one thing that I love asking people, and as someone who shared so many of my quotes, I'm always interested, do you have a favorite quote or mantra or affirmation, something that you think about really often? 
I have so many, and I think that's why your work resonates so deeply with me. Since I was a college student, I have saved, I have a Microsoft Word document from college, which is like, you know, a million years ago in the Stone Ages. (laughs) (laughs) And I, when I read something that resonates with me, a quote, I add it to this Microsoft Word document, which is like hundreds of pages by now. And I've always thought about doing something with it and organizing it into topics or, you know, but it is fun to go through because when you go through it, you get to see like, oh, this is, these are the kinds of things that resonated with me in college. And then in, you know, I've done a lot of school. I've been like a professional student. So uh, (laughs) you go through and you're like, wow, this is what really resonated with me during those difficult times. So I have so many quotes that are some of my favorites and you know, hundreds of pages worth. I love your work, though. I will say that, like I told you, you, the posts that you share, you know, especially I just shared something for Pride Month that you had um, put out, and I had shared your post on my Instagram. And the number of reposts, it was insanity. I mean, the number of reposts was just magical, because I think what what you do is, like you said, you really just get at that pulse of what people are feeling and that sentiment, and it just resonates so deeply with so many. I mean, it resonates with me and millions of others, you know? So I wish I could tell you that there is one quote that just is like really, you know, I can think of a really short one, which um, can be helpful for people who are stuck. Um, It's from the Talmud, and it's, if not now, then when? And that's a nice one, because when you're trying to think about your mental health or stress, we often put it off, and we're like, I'm fine. It's it's okay. And it builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up until you can't ignore it anymore. But, you know, if not now, when? You have to prioritize your self-care and fill your cup before you fill someone else's, and you are worth it and you are important and you matter so taking care of your mental health is the same as taking care of your physical health because mental health is health and so really focusing on yourself now is really the way that you can serve not just yourself but the world and your world all around you i love that i think that is a perfect call to action for everyone listening if you are struggling right now right now is the best time to prioritize your mental health to take steps towards bettering your life because um, being having a happy brain is having a happy life. And I think that a DT, Dr. DT, is helping everyone to achieve that. And so where can people go to follow along? As she said, her book, The Five Resets, is going to be available in 2024, published by HarperCollins. Everyone, I'm sure, is so excited about that. I am so excited. Where else should we go to follow you to support your work? You can check out my Instagram or any of my socials, which are Dr. Aditi Narukar, and my website, dradidi.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. This was edifying and inspirational in so many ways. I'm really grateful for you for taking the time. Thank you. And I love your work. Like I said, long before we spoke today, I've been a big fan of yours for years. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so flattered. I'm just going to go feel like the Queen of England. To everyone listening and watching, thank you for tuning in to The Shift. (music) 